Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Good morning. It's Monday, March 27th. And I hope you had a good weekend. Your boy uh, did some exercise on Saturday. I think I did a total of like 3,000 steps yesterday, which meant that I pretty much stayed in the house. Uh, I watched Heist. If you guys haven't seen Heist on uh, Netflix, it's a good one. And by the way, I, I am still long uh, Netflix in my parents' account. So under 300, telling you. Uh, let's take a look at there. There's some big news out there. Um, big news uh, on the, the banks. We'll take a look at that. But I wanted to take a look at Spy. And QQQ, um, we're still holding on to some the the 200 day right here at 394. You're trading in pre market at 398. Looks like it's going to get above the 300 day. So you're just kind of trading in this range, and you're trading in this range just because nobody knows what the f is going on. <clears throat> Are the banks going under? Uh, is the uh, is the uh, U.S. economy going into complete chaos right now? Is Jerome Powell going to continue to raise? Are we going to go into a, um, a, a standstill? Are the regional banks uh, failing? Uh, do we have a bigger banking situation where the, the government's going to need to bail us out? Blah, blah, blah. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, but the charts kind of tell us that, hey, there's a support level down here at about 370. We, we went over it last week at about 370. And you've got clear resistance at about 4,000. Uh, on the S&P. Um, and, and for SPY, that would be 400. Just remember, SPY is just, you know, you take the S&P and you just take the last digit off. Um, it's one-tenth of it. So nobody really knows what's going on. But SPY, you're still in this trade on the four-hour algorithm. 395.11, you're still in this. Uh, 398.28 is where you're, play, you're trading at. That's from March 16th, that buy in the algorithm. So I, I, personally, I think you still be patient. Uh, you can trade things. I don't think I'm making too many long entries for long term. Uh, I did buy Bank of America. I did buy more Google under 200. I did buy Netflix under 300. Um, you know, all of those things that, that kind of have gotten in there. Uh, Roblox is at 44. We talk about Uber trying to get that under 30. It's at 31. <clears throat> Just doesn't seem to want to come down. Walmart. Around 140 is a great buy. We'll talk about Apple a little bit. Um, I've got a lot of coverage of Apple that, that I want to just kind of mention. But yeah, so, so SPY, eh, you're going to play your triple levered ETFs up or down, doing them on day, day trade. Um, just make sure you're, you're scalping and make sure you're watching the charts. If you've got a full-time job, do not scalp those triple levered ETFs. Maybe buy SPY, maybe buy QQQ. I looked at QQQ a little bit on YouTube Live, and here, here's where we are. The algorithm has you in at 294.71. You're at 310. So, so you're making a fairly good move. Um, here, 294, you only need 29 points to get your 10%. Um, you're up at what? Almost 20? So 10% scalp on the Qs, that's a great, great, great move. You've got gaps up. Um, that need to be covered. You don't have any gaps down that need to be covered. So my guess is, again, are we in a bull market or a bear market? Well, we took a look. At, I took a look at the daily, and I, I put some channels. This is a daily chart, and so I decided, okay, for the top realm, I'm going to touch three points. This is from January of last year, not January of this year. This covers about what 15 months now. Uh, so I just covered three points on the bottom. I covered three points. There's your channel. So we're still in a downward trend. We're not in an upward trend from last January. But you know, if you go from the lows of October, or I'm sorry, if you just take it from January, <clears throat> we're in an upward trend. And we're only in the middle of that upward trend. We're kind of in the, the, just this channel of, hey, where are we going? Well, if we're going up, you're going to get up here into the 320s, 330s. So it, it's your choice where we're going, uh, where you think we're going, I, I, th I should say. 
Um, but for long term, uh, let's take a look at the weekly. The weekly on the queues, you're just touching the 200-day. When's the last time you even got close to the 200-day? Was COVID. This goes all the way back to 2014. This chart is a weekly chart going back to 2014. So in my mind, with the RSI kind of a little bit low, it's not super low. It's in 57. It's in no man's lands. It's up there. Um, over here, it was at 16. You could, on March 16th, it was at, um, let's see, 28. <clears throat> you could have bought there thinking, oh, we're going to go into an upturn. Well, we did go into an upturn. Uh, the RSI typically identifies, hey, there's going to be more buyers showing up because it's oversold. Well, this, this nice little move here from October in the MACD has kind of been a signal that, that we're getting up there. Are we going to move down? I think there's going to be catalysts that, there's more catalysts for moving down than there are moving up. And so, you know, play your TQQQ if you want a long term. Yeah, do we get back up here into the January of uh, 2022 where we were at 400 on the queues? Maybe, but you're going to have to do a lot of work on the economy to get back there. A lot of work on the economy. So Schwab uh, had a really, really bad Friday. Um, we're talking about a, a little bit of a crash on Friday. Um, came down. It's trading at 55 right now. Remember, there's a whole lot of buying at 59 uh, from insiders. So that's kind of where I'm at is I, I think 59, under 59, I think you're still getting a good deal. I think this is a $65 stock. Schwab ain't going anywhere. If this gets down to about 50 or even 45, I think JP Morgan or Goldman Sachs comes in and says, you know what? We're going to buy a ton of you and we're basically going to take you over or we're going to make a bid and the board's going to have to listen to the bid. And the $65 is probably the bid. Schwab is a business that people want. It's not in jeopardy. Uh, they do, they, there are some systemic problems within the bank way above my head, above my pay grade level. But I do think that, that around this level, you're fine. I mean, look at the long term. If we go back to a weekly of this one, do you think that this is as bad as we were uh, back in COVID. I mean, COVID, it went down to about 29, where, where people thought the world was coming to an end. But has this bank done better uh, than what we were in, in January of 2020 when COVID first started? Hell yeah, it's better. But it's trading right about that range. So I think this one's good. Uh, FRC over the weekend, uh, it's up. In pre-market, it is up 30% in pre-market. It's at 16.16. This one has you in at 14.18. So if you're at 16 and you bought at 14, you're doing really, really well. If you bought at 15 and you're at 16, you're doing really, really well. Every price that I said last week, you'd be in the positive. I haven't mentioned 16. I mentioned 14. I mentioned 15. I thought you were fine in either one of those. The, the news over the weekend is that they probably are getting backstopped even further. Uh, so DPST, that's going to bring DPST up. Where are you at in this one? You're up 11% in pre-market at 843. I said if you get this anywhere in the 8s, you're still in the 890 trade on the algorithm. If you get anywhere in the 7s, you're doing fantastic. If you get in at 8, you're doing okay. 1143, uh, or I'm sorry, 843 is where you're at. You've got this gap up here at 11. I think you're heading back up there for 11. I think that's it. There was news. Um, FCNCA, which is First Citizens, they're buying the Silicon Valley SIVB assets at a $16 billion discount. That tells me nobody wanted to freaking touch that those assets. Uh, nobody wanted to touch them. But they're getting an enormous discount. So what did that do for the, for the First Citizens bank share? First Citizens is up 50%, not 1.5, it's 50, 5.0, 50%. This was a stock that last week, March 21st, the algorithm said get in at 5.90. I wasn't even watching it. Honestly, this bank wasn't even on my radar. But you know, it closed Friday at 5.82. You know where it's at right now? 8.75. It's not even on this chart. I got to go back further to see where the, where in the world this one was ever trading at 875. Um, here, if you look at the, my screen right now, 875, it is up there. This is going to put in multiple tops right here. 
right at about 875. Any reaction in the market is an overreaction. But when you're able to buy assets at a $16 billion discount, huge for this stock. Am I getting in it? Hell no, I ain't getting in it. It is right now just to, I mean, look at the, the earnings per share on this one. $18 per share, $16 per share. You go up to $20 per share, $20 per share. And you were just hovering around this and then boom, the banky crisis has. And you know what? If you acted quickly, you did well. Uh, let's talk about, I said we'd talk about Apple. We're going to talk about Apple. Lots of coverage of the AR VR headset this weekend. <clears throat> I am not a fan of this. Uh, I do think it's something that they need to do. Uh, uh, one thing that I read is, hey, Apple needs to get into AR, VR because Meta's already in there. Google's already in there. Um, all, there's, there's a lot. Amazon, I think Amazon has some AR, VR stuff, but it's mostly secondary kind of companies. It's nothing that's major. Um, but Apple doesn't want to be <clears throat> Microsoft. Remember, uh, well, you guys may be too young, but back in the, uh, the late 90s, uh, Microsoft was big, uh, Steve Ballmer, I think was the CEO. And he said, we're going to do a Microsoft phone and boom, it crashed. I mean, it just, it was the worst freaking phone. And then Apple comes out with the iPhone and boom, that built Apple's business. Well, Apple doesn't want to be Microsoft and miss the AR VR stuff. So they're going to launch this. Uh, it was debuted to management last week, uh, at the Steve Jobs theater. Uh, it was not an overwhelming success. Uh, it didn't fail. It, it, there was nothing of it. It's just nobody was super excited about it. I think there, there's rumors that they're launching some uh, entertainment with John Favreau as a director for the headset. Uh, I will tell you, uh, I am a fan of getting a headset, putting it on your head, and basically getting on a plane and having your own personal screen so that you're not bothered by anybody. There's no light that comes in. You can put on your um, noise-canceling headphones, cover them up, blah, blah, blah. That's what I'm a fan of for VR, AR. That's the only thing that I'm a fan of it. But here's the thing. The rumored retail price is $3,000. Is your boy paying three grand for a freaking headset? Hell no, I ain't paying that. Uh, but I think Apple doesn't want to make this a consumer like success, like the iPhone. Hey, we're going to sell tons of them. They want to sell a specific amount. They want to figure out uh, what the market is for an AR VR headset. It's still expensive. Uh, you can bet that this is going to be a category leader as far as sensors, as far as um, innovation, as far as things of that sort. I just don't know who's going to buy it. For three grand, you're going to get some rich trust fund kid who's going to buy this one. But Apple, I continue to say, in pre-market, it's trading at 159 I think anything at 150 is a decent price for this. I think you'll be able to get this at 140 at some point in time this year. Uh, I also think you might have a chance at 130 I don't think you have a chance at 120s again. I just don't. Uh, if you do, kudos to you. It's a great buy-in. I am not selling anymore. I am not buying anymore. I am definitely not buying up here. You can see this, the um, ascending triangle that has formed. It's broken out above that. So it's a little bit dangerous to buy at these levels. Even, even the, um, the PE, if you go and look at the PE, it's a 27. That's a little bit expensive. I mean, year to date, it's up 23%. But over one year, you're down 5%. So at this time last year, Let's take a look. We'll let's take a look at a long-term one. We'll look at a weekly. Uh, you're up here. And, and where was last year? Um, last year was right here. You were trading at the, about 137, 149. Trading at 160 right now. Um, you know, the October lows, when you got down to the 120s, it was a great time to buy. Here's the thing. 2018 was the worst time. It got, you know, touched the 200-day. Um, down here, 2000, this was the time when they were raising rates and they made a mistake. And then they, they took those rate increases back and you were off to the races until COVID. Then you were off to the races again. And you just, you've just been off to the races. There is no reason to think that, that a 120 price point or a 140 price point isn't a bad, um, mark for this one. So Apple, I continue to say, uh, I add to it every time they have a dividend. 
Caterpillar downgraded on risks of the economy. Uh, this one's going to open up down a little bit at 214. I think I bought this one around 250 or so. Um, I bought one share, not much, not much at all. Um, but this was a weekly stock picks. Uh, at that level, if you held on, you're like me. But I bought a couple of shares. I think it'll get back up to this level at some point in time. It's just expensive for what it is. We're the risk in any of the economy. Um, you know, risk in China actually, you know, buying Caterpillar stuff. Um, but with the uh, infrastructure moves, I think Caterpillar is a good one. Roku was upgraded um, by, by some firm. I'll, I'll take a look. But take a look. Uh, it got you out on Friday with a 7% loss. I think if you're buying this one, I think if you're buying in the 50s, you're getting a good price. I think if you're buying in the 40s, you're getting a great price. I think if you're buying in the 60s, you're getting a decent price. Because look at this chart. Uh, again, you know, mind you, the algorithm does not have you in. I would buy in the 50s if I were buying. But you've seen a little bit of comeback here from 39. I mean, if we look at some of the fundamentals on, uh, on FinViz, um, 47% up year to date. They're not making money. They will make money. Um, these guys, are just, you know, they're just kind of going through their business. Here's the upgrade. Susquehanna neutral deposit, $75 price target. So the, the average price target is 68. Like I said, if you're getting this in the 50s, I think you're good. I think you're fine on this one. Um, CRM. Salesforce, they avoided a proxy fight. Um, so they're fine. Uh, Square. I want to talk about Square because I said Friday when the Hindenburg, I think it was Friday or Thursday, when the Hindenburg research came out, I said any reaction is an overreaction. And I said if you can get this in the 60s, you're fine. You're trading at $60. Um, it has come out with all the articles that I read over the weekend. The The reality of this the story from Hindenburg is they probably got their short in. They probably bought up here at 70 uh, or $80 and they've gotten their short down to 60. I think it puts in a decent bottom here at 60. Um, I just don't believe that this company is as bad as they say. Now, it is expensive. Price to sales 2.1. Uh, your forward PE is 24. You're, you're down 3% year to date. You're down 55% over one year. I still own a ton of this. You are 60% below your 52-week high of 149. You're only 18% above your 52-week low. Your 52-week low is 51. I mean, how much is, you know, your average price target on this one is 94. 94. So I, I, I do think that anything in the 50s, you're probably doing fine. Uh, you can see there's been a lot of sales. Square lead. I mean, that's a lot of money from this square lead. Uh, Alyssa Henry, uh, or Henry Alyssa, not sure which one. But you can see, what, $20 million <laughs> uh, right there? A ton, a ton of them um, from her, basically in January, February, and March. Uh, and she sold a bunch back here, too. So you're seeing a bunch of sales, no real buys. Uh, we'll talk about some buys uh, going in next. Uh, my weekly stock pick, talking about my weekly stock pick this week, it's McDonald's. Um, McDonald's is an interesting one. The algorithm has you in at 265. You're trading at 272 right now. It's kind of in no man's land in the RSI. It's at 58. Uh, the div ex-dividend gate came up uh, on February 28th. It is fairly expensive. Um, if you ever do road trips, you know, McDonald's has, is at every freaking rest stop. It is the easiest app. I think it's one of the best apps, um, for food because it's so nice and easy. Um, pay with the Apple pay, blah, blah, blah. Uh, January 4th, Wells Fargo initiated coverage with $280 price target trading at 271. You're only 3% below your 52 week high. Your performance year to date, you're up 2%. Over one year, you're up 14%. In a market like this, over one year, you're up 14%. That's a good and well-run company. Um, you can see there's some sales from the president and CEO February 23rd at 267. $1 million. President and CEO sells $1 million worth. I mean, that's a pool in the backyard for him. Uh, the sale was at 267. You're trading at 271. 
It's a little bit rich. I probably am not entering this one with the My Weekly Stock pick, but um, he does have a great, great uh, track record. So McDonald's is his pick this week. I wanted to take a look at some of our crypto investments that are in uh, some of the ones that I particularly watch, Mara. We had a buy-in here at $8.52. You're trading at $7.81. It's at $7.94. I think anything in the sevens, I think you're getting back up to eights. So I think it's a buy. I'll probably buy a little bit of this today. Uh, maybe trade a little bit for 1%, 2% gain. Um, nothing huge. If I get a good one, great. If I get it out, stopped out with like a 1% loss, I'll just take a 1% loss. These are ones that move really, really quickly. So Mara is one. Riot is another. <clears throat> um, Riot is up at 863. The algorithm has you buy in at 705. Uh, the, it's kind of, it looks like the MACD is going to cross down. You're getting that button hook. Um, in pre-market, it's at 871. I would say if you bought at seven, just sell it at nine. I, I'd probably get out at nine. Uh, GBTC, this one trades in pre-market, kind of just crazy. So don't take pre-market the way that you should. Um, this one has us in at 1177 on March 6th. Uh, I'm sorry, March 7th. Uh, you're trading at 1595. I would say if you get to 16 today, sell at 16. Uh, that's take your profits if you're in that one. Uh, ETHE. Uh, Ethereum, this is the Grayscale uh, Ethereum Trust. Uh, 780 was the buy-in on March 13th. You're trading at 816. In pre-market, it's up at 818. Eh, you know, it's just kind of been flat. Ethereum just hasn't moved. Bitcoin's been the mover. Uh, and Coinbase, remember they got that Wells notice. Um, I was asked this weekend, should I buy some Bitcoin and just put it into Coinbase? your keys, your coin. I mean, that's it. Do not think that, oh my God, I'm just going to store my Bitcoin. If you're trading Bitcoin, do it on, on cold storage. Upload it every time you want. Just download it when you can. Take your keys away. Uh, and if, they, if the brokerage doesn't allow you to do that, it's not your, your crypto. It's theirs. So find a brokerage that allows you to uh, unload in cold storage and upload from cold storage. That's the, and if you don't know what that is, don't trade crypto. Do not trade crypto. You can trade Coinbase. You can trade Mara. You can trade Riot. You can trade GBTC. There is a ton. You can trade NVIDIA. Just NVIDIA. So uh, now to the topic that everyone's been waiting for. IRA versus Roth versus um, uh, anything. Let's, let's go to the private Facebook group because Sam posted a question in there. And um, he basically wanted to know, hey, I've got this rollover IRA, um, and I'm summarizing it while I get to it, but I've got this rollover IRA. How do you trade in an IRA? Yeah, I'm rolling over an IRA. I was wondering how you would approach setting up a new one. <clears throat> would you mix it up with trades, or would you strictly go long in an IRA? Here's the way I look at IRAs, and I have a personal experience with this. First off, if you're paying, there was somebody in that the comments that said they were paying, I think it was um, Edwards Company or something, paying for an IRA. Do not pay for your IRA. Uh, get into Fidelity. It's free. If you put more than $2,500 into Fidelity, just email me. I'll get you 100 bucks. Um, I think Stuart just mails it out in, in a uh, gift card. Um, but yeah, anything over 2500 put it into Fidelity. I have my... In Fidelity, I have a traditional IRA, uh, which I rolled over from when I was working at Cox Communications. I got, this was back in um, 1990s. I think they gave me an option of taking a, uh, <clears throat> a payout or, a, um, or keep my, uh, what do you call it, retirement um, pension, because back in the 90s, they still had a pension. But it was only like $10,000 today, by the way. That's a couple hundred thousand dollars, but that's outside the point. Um, but yeah, so uh, I got that. I rolled that into a Fidelity IRA. Uh, and ironically, it was Fidelity way back when. I think it may have even been oldie at that time, which Fidelity bought. But, uh, but I, ha I had that. I rolled that in. I was able to trade whatever stocks I wanted to. It was great. Um, then uh, when I left Time Warner, 
I got another IRA. I rolled that and Comcast. I rolled that uh, into the Fidelity IRA. <clears throat> um, and then when I started Earthlink, I had a 401k. I had a 401k and a Roth 401k. Uh, I split them up 50-50, by the way, just because I, I was in my 40s, 30s and 40s when I was working at Earthlink. I didn't want to do a lot of math. I didn't want to do a lot of risk. So I put 50% into a Roth 401k, 50% into a, um, a traditional 401k. Understand the difference. Roth, it doesn't matter if it's Roth IRA or Roth 401k, you pay the taxes going in. You don't pay the taxes when you take it out. With a traditional IRA or a traditional 401k, the money goes in tax-free. When you take it out, you pay income tax based on your income tax. So that's the difference. And again, consult your tax professional. Go online. I am not a tax professional, but understand that that's the difference. So when you've got an IRA or a Roth IRA and it's in Fidelity, you can choose whatever stocks you want. Sam's question is, should I trade in there or should I uh, do long-term investing? Uh, I will tell you I do both. I don't typically do day trading in my Roth or my IRA. Understand that Roth, you've already paid your taxes on. So any money that you can make is money that you can keep when you're 59 or above. You just take it out. You don't have to prove anything. You've already paid the taxes on it. There is nothing that you need to do in a Roth. So I trade that one. If I'm going to do day trades, that's typically the one that I'm doing. And the reason is because I'm 52 right now. At 59, I can start drawing that out. I probably don't want to draw that one out. I probably want to stay in my brokerage. And, and it's again, it goes to kind of, I probably need to do this on the FIRE podcast, but my thought process of how I live was I'm living on my brokerage account right now. At 59, if I need a backstop, I've got my Roth, which isn't going to be penalized if I take anything out. Uh, and then once I hit 65, um, I can start taking out the, uh, the traditional IRA. I think it's 65, might be 67. I'm, I'm, again, I'm not a tax professional. But my thought process on this is history. History has proven buy and hold makes you a significantly more, amount, uh, more uh, successful trader than day trading. So when I say I do both, uh, when I first rolled over, and I'll go over kind of my fights with Earthlink per se uh, that I had, but when I first rolled over, I basically took, remember I, back when, uh, I, think, I guess it was about a month ago, I went over five stocks that you could buy and hold for five years. That's all I did. When I rolled over that stuff, I bought Apple, I bought Amazon, I bought Google, I bought Meta, I bought Microsoft, I bought Tesla, um, and I bought uh, some S&P tracking funds, QCLN, and some other ETFs. I basically put it into, I think it was about 10 or 11 investments. And I basically just bought the hell out of those things, um, split it up the way I, I determined, uh, and I left it for a little while because it was doing fine. It, it, there was, no, you know, it was up and down every day, but it was doing fine. I didn't trade in it. Um, in 2020, when, um, I'm sorry, 2021, I started to trade in it because you started to see a little bit of um, uh, divergence in some of the things. Uh, I didn't trade Apple. I didn't trade Amazon. Uh, I did trade some ARC funds uh, that I was in in 2021 because they just weren't doing well. Uh, and so I, I, I managed that and, and typically what I'm doing with my IRAs is I'm rebalancing every quarter. If there is a sector that isn't working, like right now we went over XLK is beating XLE. Well, I've got some energy names like Devon in my IRA. And, and they're actually losing right now. Uh, I, I'm not gaining on those. I've got an 11% dividend that's being paid out to it, but I'm still down on that one. Uh, so I've got to make the determination. Do I buy more or do I, I get rid of it because it's not working? So that's what I'm typically doing. I, I, you can do whatever you want. Uh, say you do a, a two-hour trade in, in TQQQ in an IRA. You ain't got no taxes to pay on it. You got nothing. Uh, MPLX is one. Again, there's, there's some tax issues. MPLX, because it's a master limited partnership, I have been hit with taxes in my IRA on that one. 
and it comes to like a um, 8K or something like that, that Fidelity handles for me. Uh, I've got, I believe, five figures in that one, and the tax bill comes out to be hundreds of dollars. It's not thousands of dollars. So uh, it's not a big tax bill. It's just more of an annoyance to me. So there are some taxes, but understand if you trade in your IRA or in your Roth, there's no tax event that happens there. So it's a great place if you want to trade. Now, uh, understand that money that you're trading in there, it's an opportunity cost. Because if you're trading, say you're trading TQQQ and all of a sudden you're down 10% on your TQQQ, uh, but you know uh, it could have been gaining 4% um, on your stuff. You want to not take unnecessary risk in your long-term portfolio because that's what your 401k or your IRA is. It's long-term. So there was a, Joe, I think, asked me, uh, on, on, and I, I'll tell this story outright. So I think it was about 2015, 2016, um, Earthlink was going through some problems and, and I said, you know, I've got a, a number, uh, a, a pretty big IRA or a 401k um, at that point. And I didn't want to, you know, it to get uh, into some type of, it was my money. I knew where it was. It was in my name. So it wasn't anything that I thought Earthlink was going to lose. But I, I did research on this thing called an interim distribution, and I knew I could ask for it. And what interim distribution is, when you're employed by a company and you're in their 401k, typically they won't distribute that, that to you. You have to have an employment uh, separation in order to get access to that money. They want that money. As long as you're an employee, they want that money. The reason they want that money is because typically companies 401k is a part of their balance sheet. And so they hold it in a certain bank. Uh, and particularly with me, I think it was Merrill Lynch or somebody they had it with. Um, and they would only allow me to trade in seven, eight funds. And I went to them in 2000, I think it was 2012, 2013, somewhere in that neighborhood. And I said, I want an interim distribution. I had talked to a money manager and he said, you demand an interim distribution from HR. Went to HR. I went to the board of directors. I said, I want an interim distribution. I wrote a letter to the board of directors. I was denied at every point. I was labeled a problem employee. Uh, the reason I wanted an interim distribution, I wasn't going to take the whole thing. I said, you know what? I understand that you guys have this money on your balance sheet and you want it on your balance sheet. I want to have the money. Because I want to invest that the way I want to. I don't want you guys limiting it to me. So Marilyn said, you know what? For you, we're going to allow you to, uh, to trade in, in an expanded uh, funds uh, for $100 a year. So I got this implemented from Earthlink where they would expand it from like five funds to 100 funds. But you had to pay $100 a year to do that. And I said, I don't want funds. None of these funds make sense to me. And I literally had an HR representative sit me down and say, this is for your protection. Bullshit, it's for my protection. F you. I was, you want angry Gary? That was angry Gary. Um, I said, I am making more money by trading my own money than I am in this, uh, in this 401k. Well, you're just not doing it safely. Bullshit, I ain't doing it safely. Let me, it's my freaking money. And yeah, I went like that. Uh, that was what I did. So I was labeled a problem employee. Uh, but if you are in a company, you want to go to HR and you want to ask about the opportunity for an interim distribution, there should be no fees. There should be no penalties. There should be no nothing. All you're doing is taking that money from a 401k and forwarding it over to your own account that you're completely in charge of. If you do that, my suggestion do it to Fidelity. Fidelity was fantastic with me through this entire, I was with, I will tell you, I was with uh, E-Trade. I was with Merrill Lynch. I was with TD Ameritrade. I was with Fidelity and I was with Schwab. All of those are companies that I had. When I finally had the ability to roll over, Fidelity made it easy for me. And I rolled it over and I was able to manage it myself. So the interim distribution is what you want. If you want to be able to take your money into your own hands, do it. I will warn you 
there is, you know, the, the HR person wasn't 100% wrong. I will tell you for the majority of people, an interim distribution is basically a way for you to lose your money. Uh, they want to do it for your protection. It's kind of like, you know, the government saying uh, the pattern day trader rule uh, for accounts under $25,000 for your protection. Bullshit. If you know enough, you're fine. If you don't know enough, yeah, you're taking risks, unnecessary risk. So I would tell you, if you get an interim distribution and you don't have a track record of actually uh, making money, say, for instance, uh, you know, you just got into uh, trading the last three years. Well, the last three years, you might actually be down if you've been trading. Um, I wouldn't take an interim distribution and then say, I'm going to manage the money better. Nah, I'd take, I'd take the interim distribution and, and probably find four or five uh, ETFs and throw it in there. That would be me. But do I trade in the IRA? Absolutely. Uh, I typically will day trade just kind of to go back to the fire thing and how I live since that interests some people. Uh, I live off my brokerage account. I'll do day trading in my brokerage account to make my mortgage, um, you know, to pay my bills. Uh, I've got enough of a buffer that even if I lose in a month or something, uh, I'm still good. I have a part-time job with Major League Soccer that I talk about all the time with one of the sponsors of the podcast, idshop.com. Go to idshop.com for all your uh, security, printing, whatever you need. Just go to idshop.com. Find somebody in your organization who would like idshop.com. These guys are great. I work for them, pays my mortgage. You know, it, it's, a, it's a, a decent, decent living. Um, but I do have a brokerage account that I trade in. Those brokerage account trades come with tax implications. There are times where I'm just like, you know what? I got a couple hundred thousand dollars of cash, um, you know, that I can trade with. Uh, and it depends on the time in my IRA. Right now, I don't have a lot of cash because a lot of it's tied up in investments. Because I think I, you know, I really, really want to be uh, invested in this market. I don't want to be uninvested in this market. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, I, that's kind of my story. Uh, I, I, I trade in it regularly. Uh, I would not keep any money. Uh, I would keep less than 5% of your IRA actually in cash. Um, because I'm a believer in the markets and yes, you would have been down significantly last year, but if you're going to keep your money in cash, you might in your IRA, might as well buy VOO, might as well buy, you know, long-term bonds uh, at, at this point, short-term bonds. I didn't look at the bond rates. I was looking at it beforehand, but on my screen, you'll see um, six-month bonds, U.S. Treasury, no coupons, 4.8%. Six months. I mean, you're getting a 4.8% APR, so you're actually only getting, what, 2.4% on six months? It's paid out the end of six months. If you got cash in your, uh, in your account, why not put it there? If you ain't using it, 4.8% is a great, great option. You can get a corporate bond for 5.1 uh, with an AA rating. You know, you have to do your research on bonds. I mean, again, you can, this one year at 5.4 is great. You can get Bs at about 8%. I mean, five year at 11%, you're taking risk. Um, they could default. That, that's essentially the risk that you're taking for, for some of these uh, is that they'll default. But you can absolutely buy some of these. You can buy CD, a CD, one-year CD at 5.3% through Fidelity right now. It's crazy. There, there is no reason to have your money in cash. The only reason to have your money in cash right now is to day trade or take, care, take an opportunity. If you're receiving less than 4%, I would tell you get into Fidelity because they can absolutely 100% give you 4% on your money. Um, if you're in, I know I'm a big fan of Bank of America. The reason I'm a big fan of Bank of America is because there's a lot of uneducated financial people who put their money into Bank of America and just leave it sitting there in cash, thinking that they're getting a great interest rate. Well, they're getting you an interest rate. I think I looked it up Friday. It was 0.3%. So, um, you know, they're getting what from the Fed, four and a quarter percent, and they're paying you 0.3%. So, um, yeah, yeah. And Brian, I think it depends on your company. Brian says, I believe you can keep your 401k open and take your profits and move them to an IRA with no penalties. Yes, that is correct. 
Uh, if you leave the company, you can leave your 401k with that uh, company, but they are taking fees. Understand when you're not an employee of the company, they will take fees out of your 401k. It is absolutely 100% better to roll it over to an IRA if you're not with that company anymore. Or you can roll your 401k over to another 401k, but when you're, uh, when you're uh, displaced from one company, there ain't no reason to roll it into another company's 401k. They love you to do that because it boosts up that new company's 401k. And then they'll hold it in there and they won't allow you an interim distribution while you're employed. So move it over to your own IRA. I have found that, again, call Fidelity. Fidelity has all of this stuff. They, their reps are going to know exactly what to do and what's the best thing for you. And I would tell you, roll it over uh, and take it. You, know, you can roll the entire 401k over. Uh, that's what I did. When, the second I, was, uh, I quit Earthlink, I said, give him my money. I think it took a total of seven days to get it over. They were fighting me left and right. Yeah, you got to sell some of this. You got to sell some of this. I said, no, 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 no. Give me the stock. Took the stock, rolled it over. Uh, no penalty, no fees, no nothing. They gave me the funds, um, except for, I think, the fractionally traded ones. You have to get rid of fractionally traded when you're transferring over. Um, so you do have to sell those. But it was just rolled over, sold out of those funds, went and bought Amazon, blah, 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 the whole thing. So, uh, okay. There is my uh, IRA story. Sam, hopefully I, I answered that one again. Um, my belief is that when you roll it over, you should absolutely be trading in this. Uh, I do take a look at quarterly. Um, in fact, it's March 27th. You guys have seen me go over some of the, um, uh, the, the uh, Seeking Alpha where I'm looking at different sectors like energy and industrials and um, uh, technology, all of the spider sectors. I'm taking a look at that because there's certain sectors that I want to get into that haven't worked and certain sectors that I want to get out of that haven't worked and certain sectors that I want to get into that have worked. Technology has just been a killer. Let's talk about our scans now. Uh, as far as our uh, one of our core portfolios, J&J, &J, uh, this one got you in March 6th at 154. I said it was a good price. Got you out with a 2% loss here. Uh, got you back in at 152. I think anything in the 150s, you're doing fine. You're trading below the 200-day. I think this is just a stock that you buy and hold. I personally have this one. Uh, I think I only have about $10,000 worth of that one. Uh, it's not a big holding, but to, for access to healthcare, I do keep J&J. &J. Just It's a mainstay. Um, I am not a fan, by the way, of uh, some of the things that J&J &J management has done over the years, but it is what it is. PayPal, $73.89 is the buy-in right here. Uh, the RSI is at 52. You have the MACD crossing up right on the oscillator line. You're in between earnings. There's no real catalyst. This is probably, it traded down with uh, the Square News. Um, you're below the 200-day. You've covered this gap here down to 71. The only gap that you haven't covered is the one up above at 83. So I think 74 is pretty well. I think I looked it up. The average uh, uh, analyst has it at 83. Uh, as far as energy goes, Arch, this is coal, uh, Arch, we have a nice dip down here, 130, 94. When you look at Arch in, um, uh, Finviz, they have a 0.77% dividend. It's next to nothing. Their PE is two, uh, forward PE is five. They're down 7% year to date, uh, performance over one year. They're up 1.93%. Um, they are 22% below their 52-week high of 167, 27% above their 52-week low. The average price target on this one, ironically, is 199. This one has broken down. So, I, I, you know, again, you got out the last time with a 3% gain. Uh, this one has been a monster for two years. Uh, if we go and we look at a weekly chart of this one, look at that. I mean, ever since COVID, where it was trading at 20, you went all the way up to 180. So at 130 now, you're kind of putting in a pre-pandemic -pand pre around January, October of 2019, December, this was an $80 stock. Uh, I think um, uh, coal has just become more expensive. Here's the deal. Over two years, my algorithm makes you 28%. So it's still positive. But with this particular one, and nobody would have guessed this. 
the the actual buying and uh, just holding the asset has made you 216%. So uh, take your pick, whatever you want. Arch came up. Uh, as far as our levered ETFs, SARK, this is the short uh, ETF for uh, ARK funds. It came up with a buy at 43.32. So if you think we're going down, SARK is the one to buy. SARK, 43.32. The RSI is at 49. It's in no man's land. It's kind of just hovering around here. I would say anything close to, th- to close to 40 is a decent buy on this because I think at some point you get up to 50. I think if, you know, there, there's a gap up here. Doesn't mean that we're going back up here. Uh, but there's a gap up here between 57 and 69. Um, I think that's just, you know, are we getting back up there? I think you're getting back up to 50 at some point if we continue to go down. As far as our spider sectors, industrials, XLI, these have been beaten up. 96.92 is the buy-in here. The RSI is at 46. MACD is down lower. Eh, it's still not a great buy. You're under the 200-day. The 50-day is crossing the 200-day with a death cross. Eh, it's okay. Uh, here's that one that was interesting, and this is in my personal watch list, and this is Rocket Mortgage. Uh, Rocket Mortgage did phenomenally well uh, with uh, 0% in, uh, rates because they basically refied every freaking mortgage in the country down to 2%. Uh, it hasn't been good, but here's what I want to show you. We're seeing an ascending triangle. And you're seeing it break out up here. In pre-market, you're down to 871. Uh, I'm sorry, we opened up 871. So this is a live candle. You opened at 890 and you're trading at 871. It's kind of come down. You're trading at session lows here. Um, But this is what was interesting to me. Uh, When we go to Rocket Mortgage and you look at the average uh, target price, 769 is the average target price. You're trading at $8.70. The PE is high, it's 27. Forward PE is 18. You're up 26% year to date. You're down 17% over one year. Uh, there was a downgrade in January with a $7 price target. This was an interesting article from investing.com. Mortgage shift could be a catalyst for rocket company earnings. Take a look at that one. This is what I found interesting. There is not one sell on this insider buy list. This goes back to October of last year. They're buying, the insiders are buying this tremendously. Specifically, uh, Matthew Rizik, who's an officer, a director of the company, and CEO Jay Farner. Uh, They are buying a ton, a ton of stock in this. Uh, We're talking value of $200,000. That's got to be a couple million bucks. So maybe not a lot of money to them, but it does imply that they do think that the price is under underwhelming. Uh, so that was an interesting one. Starwood. This is Starwood Property Trust. Uh, $8, I'm sorry, $16.86 is the buy. The MACD is super low. You're coming off an RSI at 33. The RSI is at 44. There is an ex-dividend date March 30th on this one. And this one is an interesting one. You want to know why? Because it's a REIT. And the dividend is 11.39%. You're getting a buy-in right before the dividend uh, payout. I don't know what the payout's going to be, but you're down year-to-date 8%. Performance over one year, you're down 27%. The average target price on this one is 23. You're trading at 16. That's why I brought it up. REITs have not been fun on this one. Now, you've had two sales at 24 and 21. Great sales because you're trading at, tw- at 16, but you've got an 11% dividend. So if you want to buy it on the dividend, go and buy it before March 30th. And finally, for our final uh, pick, Peloton. Peloton has been beaten down 954. If you remember, I said in, in, in January uh, when it got this cross up at 872, I thought it was a pretty good buy at 872. This one went all the way up to 17. You doubled your money at 872. Nice and easy. Uh, you know, you've been in a downturn here. You had got in at 1397, got you out with a 10% loss. Down here at 954, I think it's a decent buy. Your RSI is at 32, your MACD's crossing up, your earnings are coming up May 8th. They've been doing some pretty good stuff. I am not as enamored with this company uh, as I was. Um, I do have two friends who have rented the bike from them. Uh, it's come out 
turned out pretty well for them. They didn't want to put out the uh, $2,000 for the bikes. They're renting it for like, I think, 50 bucks a month or something. Uh, it was delivered. They have a one-year contract or a two-year contract. They both agree that they, they enjoyed renting it uh, and having it put in their house versus actually buying it. So uh, I don't know anybody with the treadmill. I don't know anybody with any of the other exercise stuff. I particularly am not as enamored with Peloton ever since Netflix came out with their Nike programming. Uh, and I talked about this a couple months ago. Nike, you know, essentially Netflix has put Nike uh, exercise programming on their playlist. It's great. I can do my yoga. I can do my, my body workouts in the house. Uh, and I just pay the 15 bucks a month. It's not like I have to pay Peloton an additional $12 a month um, for their app, even though I love the Peloton app. Now, Peloton allows you to put your, your watch and it's interactive up on your screen um, while you're doing it. Netflix has the same ability. They'll probably do it at some point. They're probably just testing out how many people actually work out with this programming um, because they want programming that people use. So, you know, it, it, Amazon could do it too with their Amazon, uh, you know, they, they don't have to buy Peloton. They can just do it on their Amazon app. So it's an interesting one, uh, but Peloton. Okay, let's talk about uh, ads. Visible, if you're paying more than $30 a month for your uh, phone service, uh, there is a link below. You'll get $20 off your first month um, and I get $20 off my next month. But I have visible. I was literally on vacation, I think two weeks ago, last week. Um, it's almost two weeks now. But uh, I was on vacation with people paying $90 and $100 to Verizon. We're standing next to each other, literally standing next to each other. And I'm getting 40 to 50 megs per second. Uh, they're getting about 20. Didn't notice the difference. We were hiking, you know, not, not a, too big of a deal. But I'm paying $30 a month. They're paying $100 a month. Add that up. Uh, let's see. What's 70 times 12? It's 840. There you go. Do you want to save $840 a, a year uh, to invest in? Yeah. Go to Visible. Links down below. Uh, other one, TrendSpider. If you want 25% off, you like the charts that I do, you like the, uh, the algorithm that I have, which provides you entries and exits, um, you want to do it yourself. Just get TrendSpider. It, it is awesome. I will share my algorithm with you. We have a four-hour algorithm and a 65-minute algorithm. Uh, I have watch lists, daily, spick, my, daily stock picks, my core uh, portfolio. I have uh, triple-levered ETFs that I look at, uh, energy names that I trade, low-cost Vanguard ETFs. Um, all of those, are, I'll share them with you, and the scans. Everything that I do in this podcast, you can do. Uh, if you don't want to spend the money, by the way, Active Trader Pro uh, or your brokerage, they, you know, whoever your brokerage is, they have charting software. So get that. Uh, I'll share the 65-minute algorithm with you if you want so you can set it up in your own, uh, your own charting program. Uh, you know, Finviz. You guys see the tools that I use. I don't use anything that's crazy. Um, so final sponsor is, like I said, I think in the middle of the episode, um, uh, ID Shop, IDShop.com. They employ me. So IDShop.com, uh, you know, those RFID badges that you scan in and out with. Yeah, go to IDShop. I mean, they'll give you the best price and it's the, the best company to work with. I mean, I can tell you, you know, MLS works with them, NHL works with them, uh, Miss America works with them. Um, you know, they, they've worked with every major sporting league that you can imagine for badges, uh, security, things of that sort. Um, you know, printing, if you just want to print something, if you want laminates, if you want lanyards, you know, say you, you, your company wants the, uh, little spindle things for the belt, uh, but they want their logo on it. Boom. Go to, uh, idshop.com. Yeah. They're great. I mean, they really, really are. Uh, any questions that you have, hit me up, look at the link tree below for all the things. If you make money, I ask you for a tip. That's it. Uh, I was watching Kelly OG, by the way, this weekend on, uh, YouTube. Um, and she put out a video, I guess a couple of weeks ago that she, uh, she went from zero to 6.5 million. I don't believe this girl got 6.5 million in, uh, in trading. <laughs> there is no, no, 
She got $6.5 million from everybody uh, basically paying her for her good editing and $100 a month uh, for her diamond program. So I can tell you, you know, one of the things that, that Earthlink, I found out at Earthlink is if you get people um, to pay you a monthly subscription, they don't look at their credit card. So your, your number one, uh, you know, savings tip, go look at your credit card statement. Every month you should be looking. I use Mint, and I've said this on the, the, the Fire podcast, I use Mint.com, and every night, I just go and look at every expense that I had for that day, every pending expense. I just scroll through on my phone. It's so easy. It takes 30 seconds to look that up. I don't even have to look at an account. I just go to one app. It's all imported for me. And I basically take a look and I say, yeah, you know, I think one of my friends was, uh, there was somebody charging her a monthly fee of like $20 for the last year or so. She got all the full year back. But I can tell you from Earthlink, uh, we had hundreds of thousands of people on dial-up internet uh, paying $30 a month uh, in, as of I left in 2020. You still had people paying $30 a month for dial-up internet. Um, the number one reason for disconnection was death. So a multi-million dollar business based on just charging on a credit card. People don't look at their credit card statement. So Kelly OG, uh, while I would argue she probably doesn't have $6.5 million, uh, I would also argue um, that she probably got a large majority of that through uh, monthly fees on the credit cards. Uh, I looked at the Better Business Bureau, and she doesn't have that great of reviews. <laughs> People saying, yet, yeah, there's nothing to this. So if you have any questions, though, hit me up below. Do not pay one of these charlatans. Um, that's why I just asked for tips. If you want to give me money, you give me money. If you don't, you don't have to. Doesn't matter to me. But I, I you know, TrendSpider is one tool that I don't trade without. I've gotten a lot of feedback from people on this podcast who listen. Uh, it is an absolute, absolute necessity for me to trade. Um, so again, if you're trading in your, whether you're trading in your, uh, your uh, IRA, whether you're trading in your four. Oh, one thing I didn't bring up, and by the way, if you're still on this, it's 56 minutes in. The greatest investment tool is healthcare spending account. It's an HSA, not an HRA. HRAs are ridiculous in my mind, unless you absolutely know you're going to spend the money. The difference between an HSA and an HRA is an HSA does not go away at the end of the year. An HRA if you don't spend that money, you don't get it back. So an HSA, you can take it and you can invest it. So for instance, uh, I think for a couple of years, you have to have a, um, a high deductible insurance plan and it's got to be HSA specific. Uh, they will identify that on your health plan if it is. And for me, I think I could put $3,700 a year into that. Um, so yeah, you can put the, uh, the, the, the Andy's saying, don't eat the yellow snow, but HSA, I think at $3,700, I think I did it for two years. So I got like, you know, close to $7,000 in there uh, that I put in. I just let it sit. Uh, I do invest it. I think it's worth like you know, almost $15,000 now or so, but I just let it sit. I do not use it for healthcare spending. Um, the reason I don't, I just pay out of pocket for healthcare spending. I keep the receipts. And the reason is, uh, you will need that money later in life for healthcare spending. Or, uh, if you don't need it, you can just take it out with the receipts. There's no statute of limitations for the use of those receipts. By the way, we're over 4,000 on the, the S&P. Expect it to pull back. But uh, you can use those receipts. There is no statute of limitation. So, for instance, the $10 that I paid for my, uh, my Synthroid uh, to uh, Walmart the other day, I just keep that receipt. I keep it in a little folder. I scan it. Uh, I put it in my Gmail, and I keep it in a little folder. And so that 20 years from now, that $10, maybe it's worth, you know, 20 years from now, a couple hundred bucks. It adds up. It all adds up. So the greatest investment for me has been HSA. If you uh, don't have enough receipts, 
and you need money at uh, 59, you can take the money out and you just pay income tax on it. There's no penalty after 59. So uh, it's as simple as that. So Roth IRA, I mean, there's so many trading tools and Fidelity allows you to, um, you know, I have an, my HSA through Fidelity. There's no fee and you can invest in whatever you want. I had for, for years, I had the ARC funds in my HSA. Uh, for years, I've had Apple in my HSA. Uh, it's just like any other account and they don't charge you fees. They give you a debit card. I never use it, uh, but I just invest that money. So uh, I've gone on an hour. Any questions, hit me up. I think I've gone on enough. Take care. I'll talk to you tomorrow.